Teenagers and teen drivers often don't realize that speed is not your friend. Teenagers and teen drivers often do not realize that speed is not your friend. Uh, And while it's true that behind the wheel today, I have some get up and go. Uh, When I'm going someplace new or when I'm going someplace I've never been before, I drive like an old man. And there's a reason for that. One of the few times that I borrowed my dad's car in high school, I needed to go to an NHS kind of brunch at Dale Winger's farm. And his parents' farm, that was his name, Dale Winger. He went to the Air Force Academy. Okay, so Dale Winger, Mr. and Mrs. Winger lived out in the country, and they were corn farmers. This is rural Indiana. You're going (laughs) to... That was his name, Dale Winger. He's going to be listening online and be really dejected that everybody in Kentucky is living his name. So Mr. and Mrs. Winger lived out in the country, and so I had been to Dale's house once before. We didn't run together because he was on the basketball team and the football team and the track team, but we were in NHS together. And so I had been out to his house one other time, and that was with uh, a friend, Dave Dale, who actually drove and I wasn't really paying attention. Go figure. But there was this NHS event at Dale's house, and I had asked my dad if I could borrow his car, and we were meeting up at the high school. And there was a car full of girls that had never been there before. And you look so worried. I vol- You don't know where this is going. You just think you know where this is going. I volunteered to lead the way because they had never been, and I was going to show them how to get to Dale's house. I don't remember much. Like, I have a bad memory, but I remember the moment that I was looking in the rearview mirror, and I could see Julie way back there flashing her lights at me, And at the same time, out of my peripheral vision, I could see that the road was making a sharp right turn. Now, I was going about 60 miles an hour down this county road. And all I have to say is, thank God Indiana is flat. Thank God that cornfield had been harvested and plowed. Thank God there was no ditch. And so while I was, when I got onto the cornfield, I remembered dad's training and I didn't break. I just took the foot off the gas and I coasted quite a bit into the cornfield <laughs> and eventually stopped. Once I got my heart started again, um, and all the girls by the side of the road, they, yeah, they were doing this and then they were all, oh, they thought this was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> But I looked all around Dad's car, not a dent, just mud. It was good. It was all turned. I was lucky that day. A lot of people are not so lucky. But it was because, and it was two decisions. I borrowed my dad's car, and I was going fast to a place I had never really been before. (laughs) And and that took me to a destination, which was a cornfield. It did. It's why today, when I am in an unfamiliar place or I don't know where I'm going, I go really slow because I'm not going to make that mistake again. (laughs) Um, Decisions by their very nature are like conduits. They limit the possible outcomes and they bring into focus where you'll likely end up. 
Okay, so decisions do that. In 1991, I was faced with a couple of decisions. I could either go to Trinity Evangelical Divinity School, which was outside of Chicago, or I could go to Asbury Theological Seminary, which was in Kentucky. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> okay, and I didn't know where to go. Where do I go? Where do I go? Well, my decision had some consequences. I've lived in Kentucky ever since. If you had asked me in 1990, Max, where do you think you'll live? Kentucky wouldn't have made the top five. It wouldn't have made the top 10. It wouldn't have made the top 30. Okay? But here I am, and I love it. I love Kentucky. I love the people of Kentucky. Who would have known? In 1998, I was making a decision between Otterbein Church in Nowhere, Pennsylvania, and Church of the Savior. Another decision. Again, boom. And the decision put me on a path, a conduit that has carried me to kind of where I am today. Decisions do that. Decisions limit the possible outcomes, and they bring into focus where you'll likely end up. And so I want to share with you today a bottom line, and I want to share with you a very, very amazing passage from Proverbs. And if they'll put this up here, this is today's bottom line. Smart people know that decisions are conduits. There's a conduit between what you decide today and where you end up tomorrow. They're conduits. Are you familiar with conduits? Those of you that don't, there is, along this thing right here, if you look back here, there's the projector, and then there's this tack strip. This is a conduit, and the conduit runs along the ceiling and down the back wall, and it goes into the laptop. And so the laptop is sending signals through that cable that end up at the projector that's projecting it up here. That's a conduit. That projected signal is not going to end up at West Jesmond High School today. It's not going to go to Southland. It's not going to go anywhere but that projector because that's where the conduit's going to take it. That's how conduits work. And decisions are just like conduits. They take you to specific places. All right? So if you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to the book of Proverbs. You can go to Proverbs chapter 7, and we'll get there in a minute. In the movie Forrest Gump, in the movie Forrest Gump, for those of you that are familiar with it, you know that there's a character named Jenny. And Jenny goes from man to man looking for love, doesn't she? And some of these men use her. Some of these men abuse her. All of these men discard her. Who's the one man in the movie Forrest Gump who's going to treat Jenny the way she should be treated? Who? Who's the man she avoids for the longest time? Don't you think some of Jenny's friends were thinking, Hey, Jenny, what are you, stupid? Here's a guy that's going to treat you right, not like all these other guys. What are you doing looking for love in all of those other places? And so you know people like Jenny. Those of us that are older, we know some Jennies in our lives. It's true. And... If I were to grade Americans on their ability to perceive conduits and where conduits go, I would grade us Americans in F. I would. I, I, we Americans, we do not connect the dots between our choices and outcomes, right? I mean, our eating habits. I mean, all kinds of stuff. We could go down the right. But Americans are just really bad. And we think as long as our heart's in the right place, as long as we try hard, as long as we do our best, we'll end up in a happy place. The problem is life doesn't work that way. My senior year of high school, there was a girl named Missy. And Missy was in the top ten of our class. Missy was a straight-A student. Missy was the uh, homecoming queen. 
And sometime after homecoming and before Christmas, she got pregnant with her boyfriend. And the baby was due and was born in June, immediately following graduation. Now, Missy had mapped out. I knew she was going to med school. She was going to be a doctor. Her dad was one of the principals of one of the elementary schools in the town that we lived in. So they were a prominent family in small town Indiana. And there were all these things. And it, because this was the 1980s and that's how life worked, she didn't end up going to college. She ended up marrying her boyfriend. And she never went to medical school. And a few decisions her senior year put her on this conduit that took her way over here when all the things that she wanted and hoped and dreamed were in the opposite direction. Life works that way. Decisions are uh, conduits. And you and I make decisions all the time. And so I want to walk out why this is important. And it's found in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 7. And we're going to be in that entire chapter today, okay? The book of Proverbs is full of examples of the fact that decisions are conduits. And Proverbs has this woven throughout the book. And in chapter 7, you get something unusual for the book of Proverbs. Most of the time, Proverbs are these little pithy sayings, you know, an ant, sluggard, you know, it's all this pithy little stuff. Stitch in time saves nine. You know, that's an American proverb, by the way. Okay, so there, there are these just pithy little sayings all woven all throughout. Okay, borrower the servant to the lender. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. But in chapter 7, you get a fully orbed story. It's awesome. If you're reading the book of Proverbs, you're like, this is so weird. This is so engrossing. Okay, so let's get into chapter 7, all right? Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Tie them on your fingers as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. You can, you can kind of hear the dad. But this, this is the ter- stereotypical dad of a teenage boy about to go off to college or something like that. You know, listen to me. Follow my advice, oh son. Okay, so okay, you can kind of hear a little bit of the angst there. Love wisdom like a sister. Make insight a beloved member of your family. Let them protect you from an affair with an immoral woman, from listening to the flattery of a promiscuous woman. So there in the first five verses, he's kind of setting the tone. And... In this chapter, you're going to get a fully orbed specific warning that comes up a lot of the times in the Bible. And the specific warning is adultery burns. When you have sex outside the bonds of marriage, you end up getting burned. It happens. Okay? And so that's the consistent teaching in Proverbs and in Scripture. And so, so the specific thing here is adultery burns. The larger principle is... Listen to wisdom because the decisions that you make determine where you end up tomorrow. And so let's see where this goes, all right? And it's verse 6 and following. And the, the Hebrews and the Jews uh, reading this knew full well what this meant, okay? So let me give you a little background. Sorry, I mean, we're all ready to go to verse 6. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So... Remember this guy named Samson? He was so strong. He was like, hey, man. Nobody remembers that. He was like, Superman. Okay? He could do anything. He could leap buildings with a tall bound. He could kill thousands of Philistines with the jawbone of some weird animal. It was. (laughs) And he could do all this amazing stuff. And his strength was in his hair and 
Samson had it made, and he lived to a ripe old age, and he conquered the Philistines. Yeah, see, Samson met this woman that was not his wife. And there, and somebody he shouldn't have even been getting together with in the first place. And he was like, I want her, Dad. And, and it just one thing after another. And she ended up telling his secret. And they cut his hair. And they gouged out his eyes. And Israel suffered as a result of it. There was another guy named Solomon. Solomon grew the king. I mean, talk about expansion. It was like the Reagan years for Republicans or the Kennedy years for Democrats. It was just a golden age, okay? Solomon was like, boom, Israel rocks. I mean, expansion, you know, big buildings, but he had lots of women, lots of wives, and it led him into adult idolatry. And when he died, instead of this being this amazing big kingdom, it actually got split into two. David, maybe you're familiar with David. David, the guy who had his heart after God's own heart, David, he saw someone, right, on a roof and thought to himself, wow. And he was king and all this other stuff, and it just kind of played, it just happened. He wasn't meaning to, it just kind of happened. And then as a result of that, people, one of his nieces is sexually abused, uh, there's deaths in his family, and at the end of it, there's personal and political betrayal. One of his own sons betrays him personally and tries to take over the throne. It, and so the consistent teaching of the Bible about this is, hey, this hurts. You might not want to get in this conduit. The end of the conduit always hurts. And, and I know this firsthand. I've known guys who, uh, for example, got into a relationship with somebody that was married to somebody else, and it just kind of happened, and the somebody else finds out, and then the guy is all of a sudden installing a security system in his house and big lights outside. There's a reason for this, <laughs> okay? It's a conduit. So let's, let's get going, verses 6 and following. While I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men. And one in particular, and one in particular who lacked common sense. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman. So he saw someone just north of puberty. And the word here is simple. In the NIV, it says simple. Um, here it says lacking common sense. If you could go back to the previous set of verses, it would be awesome. Strain down. No, previous verses. Keep going, keep going. Well, maybe not. There it is. I saw some naive young men, and one in particular who lacked common sense. The word here is literally lacked heart. And it means this is someone who doesn't value wisdom and doesn't value the advice of their parents. They've got the world figured out. Thank you very much. Don't tell me how things are. I've got this. Okay? This is the young man that's being portrayed here. And so... Did, did you know, by the way, that uh, science says that the frontal lobe of the brain of young men is not fully developed until their mid-20s? And that's the lobe that has to do with rational reasoning. Some of you are like, 
that is so weird. I never would have guessed that. <laughs> that is like, right? It, it is summarized. It is summarized with one phrase, one phrase. This phrase always goes to the same place. If you ever find yourself saying this one phrase, just know it always ends the same way. Hey, watch this. <laughs> hey, watch this. Boom. Never good. Never good. Okay. So verses 8 and 9. Let's keep going. He was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. It was twilight in the evening as deep darkness fell. So instead of being in bed, which is where he's supposed to be, he's out on the streets. And it just so happens that he's just coincidentally going down this particular street where this particular woman lives. It's weird. Here's another thing. There's a part of him, this isn't coincidence, there's a part of him that is looking for something which is why he's out on the streets and not in bed, okay? And in, in his iPhone, in his iPhone, as he's strolling down and he sees this woman, in his iPhone, there's a song playing. It's this amazing song. It's a Jay-Z rap song. Boom, all night, oh. You know, I can't do rap. I can't do rap. I can't do rap. But it's like a, it's like a, but that's my Beyonce rap. <laughs> okay? So in his iPhone is Jay-Z or Beyonce playing, you know, and the, the person from the window, the person that's watching, the Solomon person, the, man, the, the husband, father, or the mother, we're not really sure, okay, as I was watching by the window, there's another song playing. This song is a classic song. This song goes, bottom. Okay, two songs. The guy in his iPhone doesn't hear the other song. Okay, and this is the way this works. Solomon, or the parent in the window, knows where this decision goes. Okay, so verses 10 and following. The woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart. She was the brash, rebellious type, never content to stay at home. She's often in the streets and markets, soliciting at every corner. She threw her arms around him and kissed him. So she grabs him, she pulls him in, and it's a big, long kiss. He was just walking down the street. It kind of happened. She threw her arms around him and kissed him, and with a brazen look, she said, You know, I've just made my peace offerings and fulfilled my vows. This means that there's some really good meat inside. You're the one I was looking for. Isn't that the truth? Do you believe her, guys? That she was out looking specifically for him. She was waiting just for him. You're the one I was looking for. I came out to find you, and... Here you are. My bed is spread with beautiful blankets and colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caress. For my husband is not home. He's away on a long trip. Long trip. 
So she's hanging out. She's seductively dressed. There's a sacrifice, which means there's good meat. She's described a bed that's laid out. The husband is gone. In the mind of the young man who's got the J.C. Beyonce song, he's thinking, Powerball! Powerball! I hit the Powerball! This is amazing! Oh my goodness! Gone on a trip? So I don't even have to worry and get up in the middle of the night and make a hasty exit. I can sleep in. We can have breakfast together. This is getting better by the moment. I cannot believe my luck. But look at the way the person from the window describes what's happening. And that's the next several verses. Verse 21 and following. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting the arrow that would pierce its heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. So three different animals, you know, as if, you know, they don't want it to get lost on us. It's not just one animal. It's not just one metaphor. It's like three in a row, okay? You know, there's the power of three in the Bible. Ox going to the slaughter. It's never good if you're a cow in one of those trucks going down the road. Right? It's never good. I mean, except if you're a steak lover. Um, He was like a stag caught in a trap. I just saw a video uh, by one of my Facebook buddies. He has a deer cam at a deer stand. And... uh, and so there's this deer. He had this video of the deer looking into the camera and doing stuff. And his post was, evade me tonight. Tomorrow you're mine. <laughs> you know? Okay? And then the bird flying into the stairs. So all three animals basically enter into their own deaths. This is no bueno. This young man is trading away his future and possibly his life. And the person from the window is cueing us into the fact that the husband probably wasn't gone on a long trip, which is why this ends so badly, right? Next several verses, and this is his Frank Underwood moment. So in this passage of Proverbs, instead of looking out the window in a Frank Underwood way, he turns to the camera and he talks to you and me, and he says this to us. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path, for she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. This decision, the decision the young man makes, always goes to the same place at the end of this conduit. Don't make that decision. Don't go down that conduit. Don't have that future. And so... He's emphatic. And the word many men, this young man might have thought, I'm the one, lucky me, da 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 Nope, lots of young men have walked where you walked, have done what you've done, and it goes the same way. And none of it, none of them saw it coming. Okay? So the young man in this story did not understand that decisions are gateways and that when you make some decisions, it puts you in a conduit that goes to predetermined outcomes, right? This plays out in a myriad number of ways, and I, I want to highlight a few. And I know this is serious, but come on. Isn't, it, isn't common sense lacking in our culture? Yes. 
It's so lacking. We know, you and I, collectively, in this room, if we were to put chart paper on the wall, and we were just going to start talking about our friends who kind of need some wisdom and some of the things that they've done, we would fill the chart paper with stories today. Because we know so many people that are doing things, making decisions. They say, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to end up. And they're on a road going the opposite direction. And you look at their life and you think, what are you? Stupid, you know, don't do that. Turn around, you're on the wrong. Okay, so uh, single woman, stereotypical single woman in America. Her goal is to meet and marry a great Christian guy. So she dates anyone who comes along. A single guy who says, you know, someday, someday I want to have great sex with my wife. I want that to be the case. That's a lifelong thing for me. So in order to get there, I'm going to proposition and try and hit up every woman I see. It's like the married woman who says, I want to have a great relationship with my husband. So I'm going to make the kids a priority and they're always going to come first and they're always going to trump him. It's like the married man who says, I want my kids to respect me but I'm going to openly flirt with all the women in my life. It's like the young Christian who says, I want to grow deeper with God, but spends an hour on Facebook every morning before they go off to school or work. It's like the young couple that says, we want, to have kid, we want our kids to have strong Christian friends, and so we want them to be rooted. We want to have a strong third voice in our life, so we're going to skip church regularly. It's like the high school freshman who says, you know what, I want to get into the UK College of Engineering, or I want to go red, or I want to get into Yale. And so I'm not going to study. I'm going to blow off school for the next several years. Right? All of us look at those situations and we go, no, that's unwise. That's not going to get you where you want to go. So in light of this passage, in light of the fact that we all know so many people, can I ask you and me a question? And I ask myself this question regularly. Is it possible... I am unaware of conduits running in my life right now. Is it possible you are unaware of conduits that are running in your life right now? A key indicator that that might be the case is if you ever find yourself saying, I don't understand why it keeps happening. You know, that, sometimes that's an indicator that there's some conduits at work. I don't understand why it keeps happening. I don't get it. If you were a friend looking at your work habits, looking at how you handle relationships or how you manage money or who your relationship's with, would you be thinking, what are you, you know, what are you doing? No, 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 no. So let me tell you about a young couple I met uh, five years ago, and they exemplify Proverbs 7 in so many ways, good and bad. Um, They were the cutest thing. They were a couple, boyfriend, girlfriend, freshman in college, They were excited. Don't be frowny face. They were in love. They were so in love, infatuated love, but it was still love. And they they were boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, but she had some insecurity issues. He had some insecurity issues, and she decided, this is it. I'm done. I'm dumping you. And so they broke up. And over the last five years, they could not be on more different paths. I, I, I just can't imagine a different way. So The way they handled college, she, for the past five years at UK, majored in college life. You know what majoring in college life is? If you don't know what majoring in college life is at the University of Kentucky, simply go downtown. 
on any Friday or Saturday when the weather's warm and look at the long line of people waiting to get into the bars. And this will go on till 2, 3, 4, 5 in the morning. Right? There are all kinds of ways that you can have fun and hang out. You know you're majoring in college life when you come home at the end of your freshman year with a 1.5 and your mom and dad are freaking out and they're like, what happened, bud? And you're like, I was busy. What do you mean you were busy? I was doing stuff. What stuff? Just stuff. Get off my case. Okay? So she majored in college life. He majored in college. He, did, he made a decision. He was going to come home every Sunday, and that was in part because mom sweetened the deal by making his favorite meal every Sunday afternoon, but he would do laundry, and he would study all Sunday afternoon. It's boring. <sighs> totally different. They were boyfriend-girlfriend ones. Go figure. Um, she has had a string of employers, so every three months, she has gotten a new job. And on Facebook, uh, these are the comments about every single job. Man, this place sucks. My boss is terrible. I can't believe. Why do I always get moron bosses? Da, 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 da. This is now like the 13th job in a row that she's had a moron boss. I mean, what are the odds? She does not see, right, <laughs> the common denominator in all these jobs. Lost on her. Does not see it at all. He, on the other hand, has had some horrible jobs. Do you know what his Facebook posts are? I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to. It was great that I got to learn. Boom. Couldn't be more different. Since breaking up, she has had a string of boyfriends. None of them have lasted more than three months. Boys are jerks. Men are jerks. That's what I tell my daughters. No, just kidding. Men are jerks. That's her, that's her. He, on the other hand, didn't date, didn't date, date, didn't date. Met someone. He's getting married next year, next spring. Um, and when I asked his mom, I remember... Shortly after they broke up, I asked his mom about what she thought of this young lady. Her only comment was, I didn't really care for her. Ouch. It was a sign, okay? So, and so she is now not going to graduate with UK, does not have a degree, does not have a boy, has been in how many different jobs did I say? 13? This is ridiculous. He's now finishing his master's degree. He has sent a satellite into space with NASA, and he'll probably start off at fifty or sixty thousand a year plus. Conduits. And if you were to pull her aside and you were to say to her, "What were you thinking? I mean, you should have never broke up with him. You should have, you know, why? What did you major in college?" She would probably say to you, "Get off my. You don't understand." And so this is how conduits work. And I, don't, I want you to have life like him and not life like her. And so it boils down to the decisions that we make on a regular basis. And here's the deal. God is at work in your life, and he loves you. He does. He actually loves you, and he thinks you hung the moon in so many different ways. How do I know that? Because he sent his one and only Son, to die on a cross on your behalf and my behalf. So that's the, you know, you ever doubt God's love? Look at the cross. And so in that context, remember the passage from James last week, James 1, 5? If any of you lack wisdom, what, what are you supposed to do? Ask, and what will God do? Graciously give it to you. You can ask 
and God will give you wisdom.